0: Getting ready for church. I'm here. I'm doing all the things that I do in the mornings. Get ready. The phone rings and the person on the other end of the phone says, hey, what time does church start? So I told them what time the church starts and they said, OK, And I said, now they said, now, what? Who is preaching today? And I said, well, Stacy Ross is preaching. And the person said, well, I don't think I want to hear him preach Bye, and hung up. <laughs> now, I. Intended on telling the story, but i got thinking, what if that person's here? And I don't recognize them and I tell a story. But the person is here, and that's why I am telling the story. It was my cousin who called and gave me a hard time this morning. We're glad to have them. We, we don't have, we don't live, you know, within a hop, skip, and a jump of family. Uh, Sarah, I said, this is our cousin. She said, hey, we have a, we have family that lives nearby. <laughs> no, no, we do not, but we have family that came to see us, so we're proud and thankful that they're here. You know, Mark Twain once said, that faith is believing what you know ain't so. And I'm afraid that many people today, even believers, embrace at least the spirit of that statement. And the spirit of the statement is seen when we don't believe the events in Scripture are real events. The spirit of the statement is seen when we begin to explain away the teaching of Scripture. Like few professing believers would ever outright deny the events of the Scripture are real or that the teaching of the Scripture is accurate. Instead, we begin to explain them away. We say things like, well, Jesus raising the dead is just symbolic of how Jesus can give spiritual life to those who are spiritually dead. Or, well, when Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would teach us, He doesn't really mean that the Holy Spirit would teach us. What it really means is, and then it gives something far different. You know, once we stop taking Scripture at face value, we start looking for reasons as to why it doesn't mean what it clearly says. Doing this, it lowers our expectation in all areas of the Christian life. We lower out what we expect to experience and live in our lives. We lower what we expect from prayer. Rather than prayer being a powerful time that connects us to God and makes an actual difference in the world around us. Prayer becomes a religious routine. We pray because we're supposed to. We pray because... Because that's what Christians do, but we don't actually expect it to do anything or to make any difference in our lives or in the world around us. Once we stop taking Scripture at face value, we begin to trust more in what people can do than in what God can do. If prayer has become a routine for you, if you've lost confidence in the power of prayer, then I have good news for you today. There is more. We're going to look at one of the most amazing stories in Scripture today, one of the most bold prayers in all of the Bible. And I'm going to affirm to you that I believe it is absolutely real, that it really happened and it has a lot to teach us for today. So open your Bible to Joshua chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 6, that's page 174, when you find your pew Bible. When you find that, I'm going to ask you to stand on the reading of God's Word. Joshua 10 and six says the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp of Gilgal, saying, do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us for all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people who were of war who were with him and all the mighty men of Valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hands. Not a man of them shall escape or shall stand before you. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them before Israel and killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon and chased them along the road that goes to Beth Horan and struck them down as far as Azekah and Makata. And it happened as they fled before Israel and they were on the descent from Beth-horon that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven as far as Azekah and they died. There were more that died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel and he said in the sight of Israel Sun stands still over Gibeon and moon over the valley of Adullam. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man for the Lord fought For Israel title of the message this morning is I can be bold in prayer, let's pray or I can pray boldly. Father, we love you today. You are great and awesome and worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. Father, we thank you for all that you've given us and all that you have done and promised for us in our lives. God, we live in a world that does pretty much assault our faith on a daily basis and makes it at times difficult to take your word at face value. Your word has lots of amazing stories and speaks of your greatness and your power in very plain ways. And God, we don't often see that as much as we would like. And things like that, they assault our faith and they cause us not to hope in your greatness and in your power and in what you can do. But God, today we come with a desire, a desire to... Lord to just take your word at face value that when it says that you did something that we would say God did it. That when it says you can do something that we would say God can do it. And that this would inform the kind of prayer life that we have that we would pray boldly and that we would pray often and we would pray with an absolute expectation that our God is going to do something and that our prayers make a difference that they make a difference in us and they make a difference in the world around us. Father, let your Holy Spirit come today and let him let, help us to Lay aside the cares of life that we may have brought in, that our hearts and minds would be centered upon you. Father, let our hearts be good ground. Give us ears to hear. Fill me today with your Holy Spirit. and Let me speak your word in your ways for your glory. God, do what you want done. Strengthen us and encourage us and challenge us and lift up our eyes to see the greatness and the glory of our awesome God. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, if you're not familiar with the book of Joshua, the book of Joshua is about the the Israelites conquest of the promised land. God led them into the promised land and they were basically just to kill everybody. They weren't to make any alliances with anyone and they were to conquer the land and dwell in it, a land filled with milk and honey, as the Bible said. Now, as they went into the land, though, they didn't always do exactly as God had said. And they did make an alliance with a group of people called Gibeonites. And the alliance that they made with Gibeonites, it caused the other nations in the promised land to be afraid. And they began to to come together in an alliance to attack the Gibeonites and to kill them. So when the Gibeonites are being attacked by this coalition of forces... They call on Joshua to keep his treaty with them and to come and to fight for them speedily. So Joshua does what he said he was supposed to do. He goes to them. He begins to fight. God rains down hailstones upon them, and they're winning and they're having a great victory. But then suddenly the sun starts to go down. And when the sun went down, the battle would end and they would lose their advantage. So Joshua prays what has to be the biggest prayer that I know of in all of the Bible. And it says that in front of all Israel, which I think is a huge thing in front of all Israel, he cried out, son, stand still. Now, that's a big prayer, right? I mean, wouldn't you agree? That's a a huge thing. What was it about Joshua? I mean, why did Joshua even imagine that God could or would do something of that magnitude? And as I was thinking about it, you know, Joshua and Caleb at this point are the only two left that were delivered out of Egyptian slavery. Joshua had seen God pour out the plagues upon Egypt during the ex- before the exodus happened. He had, had seen the sun blacked out. He had seen hailstones fall from the sky. He had seen the river turn to blood. He had seen the Red Sea part. He had seen God do all of those things. And seeing the things that God had done, it gave Joshua a deep and abiding sense that his God could do anything. And the belief that his God was big enough to do anything that needed to be done, it inspired Joshua to pray a bold prayer. So the the central truth I want us to understand today is that a big God inspires bold prayer. A big God inspires bold prayer. Um, We'll we'll talk about it more, but I'm convinced that in a lot of ways, our prayers reveal what we really believe about God. The magnitude of our prayers, they reflect the bigness of how we uh, of God in our mind. So if we're going to to believe in a big God and we're going to pray bold prayers, how do we do that? We learn some principles from Joshua. The first is to be audacious in prayer, right? to be audacious in prayer. Again, we, we come to Joshua here and there's several things I, I want to point out about this prayer. Right. It is a prayer of necessity. The sun is going to go down and, and with no like night vision goggles or anything like that. The Amorites are going to escape. At this point, the Amorites are being defeated. They're demoralized. They're confused. Hellstones are killing them. I mean, it's just a bad day for them. If they get in the night and they get a chance to to regroup, it'll be a different battle tomorrow. So it's a prayer of necessity that Joshua prays. He's not just like, what's the coolest thing I can imagine God doing? There's a great necessity for this. Another thing that I think is important to see that to me stands out, and, and one of the reasons I say this is an audacious prayer, is that he says it before the children of Israel. Right. So Joshua, this isn't a secret prayer that Joshua was praying. Joshua is the leader of the nation. He is the general in charge. And basically, the picture this gets me is they're fighting. He's up front and then he stops and hollers at the sun for the sun to stop. Right. And that's huge because at this point, if God doesn't make the sun stop, if something amazing does not happen in response to this, Joshua is probably going to lose his position as leader. I mean, what do you do with the guy who's supposed to be leading you starts talking to the sun for no apparent reason and nothing happens? Right? I mean, he he is praying the boldest, most audacious prayer that can possibly be prayed. And he is praying it right out in front of everyone to see. And he is brought to the place where if God does not do something, Joshua is going to fail He is going to look like a fool. He is going to lose honor. Everything at this point about Joshua's leadership from here on out, it rests upon whether or not God is going to do something big. But Joshua is convinced that God can do anything. He is convinced that his God is big enough to stop the sun, extend the daylight, so that they can continue to fight the battle And they can win. You know, as believers, we say we believe our God can do anything. But do we really believe that? I mean, do our prayers reflect that we believe our God can do anything? How many of our prayers are so big that when they're answered, the only thing that can be said is it was God? How many of our prayers are so audacious that if God doesn't do something, what we're praying for will not happen? Would it be fair to say in many cases in our lives, our prayers are not really big things? Our prayers often reflect more things that will happen anyway whether God supernaturally intervenes or not. What what does what does that kind of a prayer life say about our view of God? And then if you take that with James, James 4 two, James says you have not because why? Because you ask not. I mean, have you ever just thought about all the stuff God could have and would have done in you, through you and for you. But he didn't do simply because you didn't pray for it. A couple of years ago, in my reading of James, it was just something that got in my head. And, and, I, and I began to realize my prayers did not reflect a God who could do all things. And there were a lot of big things that, that I didn't pray. And I began to wonder, I, I wonder if I'm missing out on things that God Wants to do and would do. In me, through me and for me. But he's not going to do. Because I'm not asking. So what I, what I determined to do. Is I just decided then. That I'm going to be a guy that believes God for too much. As a guy who believes God for too little. I mean if it comes to believing that God can. I'm going to say he can. Doesn't no matter what it is. I'm not going to. If you come to me. I'm not going to give you reasons why God doesn't do that anymore. I'm not going to tell you that something like that is not likely to happen. I'm going to tell you to pray and believe and imagine how great and how awesome your God is. But we as believers, we need to be audacious in our prayers. And there are good biblical reasons for this. Right? There are sound reasons for us to do this. Besides the fact Joshua prayed for the son to stand still. Right? For instance. God wants to bless us. How many of us. The idea that God wants to bless us. Is a different idea. How many of us maybe have the idea. That if we want things from God. We kind of have to twist his arm. And we kind of have to find the right words. And just the right promise. And just the right thing. But what if I've told you. And what if I could promise you that God actually wants to bless us in our lives, right? And I can because of what Jesus said. Jesus said, what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if we ask for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, think about that. As parents, don't we want to give good things to our kids? Don't we enjoy giving good things to our kids? And we do that despite the fact that as Jesus said, we're evil. Sometimes our motives aren't pure. Sometimes we say no, not because we can't or we shouldn't, but because we just don't want to. But God doesn't like that. Right? It really, have you ever heard the song, anything you can do, I can do better? That's kind of what's going on here. Anything you and I as human parents can do for our children, God can do better. Anything we want to give to our kids, God wants to give better. But make no mistake, God wants to bless us. God does not want us to come to Him trying to wrestle Him down or hoping that we find just the right words. God is our Heavenly Father who loves us and absolutely wants to bless us. Secondly, God owns everything. When we begin to talk about God providing or God doing, it is important we understand what the Bible says about God's finances. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. God owns everything. And he can give his stuff to anyone he wants. Ephesians and Philippians talk about God's glorious, unlimited riches. And sadly, what we tend to do is focus that exclusively on spiritual things. To be sure, there is an unlimited spiritual richness that we have as followers of Jesus Christ. But make no mistake, our God can do anything He wants with the stuff that's His. When we pray for God to provide or for God to do something big in that realm, it's all in God's hands and he can do anything with all of the stuff in this world that he wants to do. But also, God can do anything that he wants to do. This is a, a great passage. Our God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. God can do Anything he wants. And no one can stop him. There is no force that opposes God. There, There is nothing or no one that can stop God from doing anything at all. He can do anything he wants at any time that he wants. And there's nothing that can hinder him. And then lastly, God can do more than we can imagine. You pick the... You, the biggest thing you could imagine God doing. And the Bible says He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine. Think of the biggest thing you could imagine God doing. And God says, I can do far more than that. And it won't even be a sweat. God spoke the world into existence. He will one day bring the world to a conclusion. And in none of it is God ever challenged. Is his strength ever limited? There is no limit to what God can do. And when we really understand these things, we get the bigness of our God. It will inspire us to bold prayer. And it will be seen through audacious requests. I mean, sun stands still. That's huge. But God could do even more than what Joshua imagined and he did. A big God inspires bold prayer. Be audacious in your prayers. Secondly, be specific in prayer. Another thing to notice about this is that Joshua, he doesn't holler out, God, do something. Joshua is very, very specific about what it is that he wants God to do. He wants God to supernaturally extend the length of the day so they can continue to fight the battle. Many times we are guilty of praying what what I would call. Generic shotgun prayers. And I think we're all guilty of this at one point or another. And generic shotgun prayers, we, we say things like this. God bless Bob. Now, God blessing Bob, well, that's a good thing, right? But, but that's still kind of a generic thing. What does that mean? In what way should God bless Bob? If God answers that prayer, what will it look like in that situation? How will Bob be blessed? How will he know it was God? What exactly are you wanting God to bless Bob in or with or through? Or we say, God be with Bob, which is an interesting prayer since our God is omniscient or omnipresent. He's everywhere, so he is for sure with Bob. And typically what we mean is we want Bob to know that God is with him. But again, what does that mean? If Bob is aware of God's presence in his life and his circumstance, what does that mean? Will it encourage him? Will it strengthen him? Will it give him comfort? Will it give him peace? Will it bring joy? What what will it mean for God to be with Bob? And again, or God help Bob. Help him how? exactly what does bob need that god can do in his situation now there are times where we don't know the need and in those times god help bob god bless bob god be with bob those are okay but when we know the situation it's better to be specific god help bob here god give bob strength in that god do this in through And for Bob. I believe specific prayer is better than generic prayer. I believe focused prayer is better than shotgun prayer. And, And I believe it for a few reasons. One, I think specific prayers require more faith. I really do. You know, it's easy enough for us to say, God help Bob. God be with Bob. God bless Bob. And then we start to look for anything that happens in Bob's life. Anything, no matter what it is. And we can say, oh, that was God. That that was a God thing. That's totally an answer to my prayer. But, But was it really? It takes far more faith to say, God, do this specific thing. I mean, think about with Joshua here. What would take more faith? God do something. Or God, make the sun stand still. Which of those is the greater act of faith? Make the sun stand still. And the reason specific prayers require more faith is because we're saying, God, this is is what we want you to do. And if you don't do this, it won't happen. And if you do it, we'll know it was absolutely, without a doubt, you. Specific prayer requires more faith. Secondly... Specific prayers give God more glory. Joshua stood in front of the people and he said, son, stand still. And it did. Do you think at the end of the day, anyone said, gosh, Joshua, you're the best general we've ever seen. At the end of the day, when it was over, what do you think they did? Who do you think they acknowledged as the giver of the victory that day? It was God. God. I mean, there was, there was no way anything but God moved to make the sun stand still to give them more time to fight that battle. When we pray specific prayers and they come to pass, we know that's God. And let me go back to that we pray God, the generic prayers, and we look for anything. Let's just be honest, right? It's just family here today. When you pray God help Bob and... And something happens and you look for it. You tell Bob, that was just an answer to my prayer. Isn't there always something a little bit in the back of your mind that wonders if that was really the case? Isn't there something always in the back of your mind that says, you know, that probably would have happened anyway? That may well just have already been going on. and has nothing to do with my prayer. We, we mouth it, but we don't really believe it. But what when we pray something very specific and that very specific thing happens? I mean, we don't ever doubt, do we? We don't ever doubt that it was God. I'll give you a silly example from our life. A few years ago, we bought, we, we, well, we bought Caitlin a phone. We gave her my old, terrible phone that was dying for her first cell phone because we were afraid she was going to lose it, which she did. Confirming our desires or our, our beliefs. And it was gone for a very long time. And she kept saying she wanted an iPhone. I kept telling her. You've lost this phone for nine months. No, I'm not getting you an iPhone when you lost the cheap phone. But she had looked everywhere and she couldn't find it. And one day we were talking about it. And Joan said, have you prayed to find it? Well, we hadn't. I mean, we we hadn't. So we went home that day, Sunday afternoon. And we prayed. We all prayed. Lord, help us to find Caitlin's phone this week. Later that day... It snowed. And we decided to go to the park. So I went to get my winter boots. And as I put on my winter boots, there was a great big lump in the bottom of my shoe. And it was Caitlin's phone. I don't believe any of that was just a coincidence. We prayed specifically to find that phone. And we found it in the most unlikely of places. Specific prayers, when they're answered... We just say that was all God. Not coincidence, not circumstance, not me, not a person. It was just God. And then finally, with this specific prayers encourage me. Specific prayers, when they're answered. We know that God heard our prayers. We know that God listens And that God cares and that God is involved in our lives. And and this is important because we all go through times where we don't feel that way. We all go through points where we wonder if God hears and we wonder if God cares. And if we can go back through and we can look and see specific times God answered our prayers. I have a, a prayer journal. That I started on my birthday, the year we moved up here, before we came up here. And in the back, I have special requests. And when I start praying for something, I write it down. And I write down the day that I started praying for it. And then I pray for it in a very specific way. And if God answers it in exactly the way I've prayed, I get a red pen and I put a check mark, And I write in the date that I found out that prayer was answered, just like I prayed it. I cannot tell you how many times in moments of deep discouragement I have gone through that prayer journal and just looked at those red check marks and reminded myself that God hears my prayers, reminded myself that God cares about me. He cares enough about me that we find a junky old cell phone in a boot. That things come through. The prayers that God has answered in that way. Some are big. and Some are small. But they are all specific. And if I had just prayed God do something. Those would not. Those would not. Encourage me. But there is great encouragement that comes. From looking at very specific things. And saying God did that. Exactly the way I prayed it. If you pray specifically and God answers it specifically, it will encourage you far more than anything else will regarding prayer. Now, praying specifically takes more effort. It's easy to say, God, be with Bob. It's easy to say, God, bless Bob. It takes far more effort to think through What would God being with him do? How should God bless him? What does he need at this time? And then to pray that it takes more effort. But it's worth it. It's worth the extra time. It's worth the extra burden. It's worth it. As we see God do what only he can do in these situations. And then finally, do something. A big God inspires bold faith, bold prayer, and that prayer will be seen in audacious prayers. It will be seen in specific prayers, but it will lastly be seen as we do something. Once the battle was going, Joshua took off. And early on, as they took off, we're told in verse eight, God said to them, do not fear, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. So here's God giving him a promise. You're going to win. Victory is certain. Now here's the key. What did Joshua do the moment victory was assured? Did he sit down and just wait for God to kill them all? Did he take a nap? No, look at what it says in verse 9. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly Having marched all night. Then they fought. Joshua prays for the sun to stand still. And guess what they have to keep doing on into what would have been the night? They have to keep on fighting. But there is a lot that Joshua had to do in this passage. There's a lot that Joshua did that brought about this victory. But Joshua did it. Right. God rained down hailstones. God made the sun stand still. Joshua still had something he needed to do. Joshua knew that there were things that needed to be done that only God could do, but he also knew there were things that he could do in this time, and he would do those things. I don't believe it's going to be much different in our lives. I believe absolutely we should pray audacious prayers, and I believe we should pray specific prayers. These kind of prayers, they don't free us from doing what we can do while we wait. Think about if you're praying for someone to be saved. God, save this person. God, help them. God, heal them. God, deliver them. Okay. We pray. But what are we doing in the meantime while we're waiting on God to do it? Are we. Are we preparing ourselves to be able to share the gospel with them? Are we ensuring that if they ask us, why do you go to church? We can give them a better reason. And that's what we've always done. Are we studying the Bible so that when they say, hey, why do you believe this? We can give a Bible answer to the questions they have. Are we doing our part? Or what if you have financial problems and you need God to provide in a big way? Certainly pray for God to provide. But what about looking at a budget? What about seeing where you're overspending? What about looking at things that you can cut out to help you save while you wait on God to provide? But what what about if your marriage is struggling and you're praying for God to save it? What about looking to see what you can do to be a better spouse So that you can meet the needs and you can be sure you're not the source of the conflict. See, in all the things like this. Prayer and a audacious prayer and specific prayer. This isn't we pray and then we sit down and and, and we don't do anything. We pray believing God's going to do what only he can do. But understanding that in many cases. There is something that we can do in the process, and therefore we should do it. You know, we we pray for Elizabeth to be healed every single day. But we still give her her medicine. We still take her to the doctor. right? We're waiting on God to do what only he can do. But while we wait, we do what we can do. And it's always that way. Pray for God to do huge, enormous things. But as you wait, what can you do to be a part of the process? Now, keep in mind that as we do it, it's not like we pray and then we do it. And then it's like, well, we actually did it, but we're going to say it was God. Right? Because that's not what happened here. They went and then the Lord routed them before Israel and killed them with great slaughter And he rained down hailstones. Verse 11, there were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with a sword. Right, now God did an amazing thing in this midst. Right, and it was only God, because here's what I'm going to tell you I think I see from this. I don't think the hailstones rained down indiscriminately killing Israelites and Amorites alike. I think they were like sniper guided missiles. And Amorites were taken out and Israelites were missed. I don't see it being a God thing when he's killing his own people with hailstones. So, as the hailstones are coming down and striking the Amorites, they're fighting and they're doing what they can do, but they know that is God. And then Joshua prays for the sun to stand still, and it does, but they continue to fight, but they know it is God. And even in verse 14, it said that the Lord fought for Israel. And here's what happens. When, when we have this view of a big God and it inspires bold prayer, we pray audaciously, we pray specifically, and then we do whatever it is we can do. But as we do what we can do, God does more than we can do. God always does far greater than we do on anything and everything he works with us in. There is always more that God does than we do. And when it's all said and done, we know it was far more than we could have done on our own. And we say this was absolutely a God thing. Doesn't mean it was easy and it doesn't mean it was quick. But when it's all said and done. God absolutely did something amazing in me and through me and for me. When, our, when we believe our God is big, we pray bold. And then we take action. We do what we can do. So uh, as we close, just some questions. Let me ask you, how big is your God? I mean, probably you have something you're burdened about right now. Something in your mind you, you need a sun stand still type of moment to happen in your life. Let me ask you, do you really believe your God is big enough to handle that need? Can your God deliver your child? Can your God save your marriage? Can your God fix your finances? Can your God do what only you can do or only only you can do only he can do? Is your God big enough? To do a miracle in this situation. Secondly. How specific are my prayers? I mean in this situation are you just praying God do something? But what? What is it that needs to be done so that when it's done you can say this was this was just God. There's just no way it could have been anything else but God. How specific are your prayers about your sun standstill still moment that you need at this time? And then the last one is, what are you doing? What actions do you need to take? What are you doing? While you wait on God to make the sun stand still. Because make no mistake. that There's always something we're supposed to do. I wish I would love I would love to tell you. Bible teaches us that we should pray big and we should pray specific and then we just sit down and rest and wait. But it doesn't. I mean, even in the times where the Bible says to wait on the Lord, the waiting on the Lord is not passive. It's active. You you do something. Joshua prayed and then he fought. All through. Even I was reading yesterday in Acts. Peter Trapped in prison. In the church, they prayed big prayers for God to do it. I mean they they were praying for God to deliver. They were seeking the Lord. There's there's always always something we're supposed to do in the meantime. What is it? What actions are you taking as you pray and as you wait? I believe and next week we're gonna finish this series. And the title of the message next week is simply, I can. And here's what it's about. Too often, we, we do try to find ways the Bible doesn't mean what it says. And when we do that, we see the things the Bible says we're supposed to do, or the Bible says we're supposed to be, and we say, I can't. Or we say, boy, that's just going to make my life miserable. And in all honesty, that's not right. Jesus said he came to give us life and life more abundant. Paul said we're to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Jesus said that there are certain things that we do so that our joy would be full. He had taught us that our joy would be full. Jesus said that we can do all things through him. There's absolutely nothing that this book tells us to do that we can't do. There's absolutely nothing this book tells us to do that doesn't bring joy into our lives. There's nothing this book forbids us from doing that isn't a part of the abundant life Jesus came to give us. For most of us, our mindset needs to completely shift. And rather than saying, I can't to say, I can. I believe with all my heart. The story we read today, it actually happened. There was a great big battle. The commander of God's army called for the sun to stand still, and it happened just exactly like that. And I believe that we serve a God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God who made the sun stand still then can absolutely do anything and everything that needs to be done in our lives today. Don't try to explain it away. Don't try to rationalize what it could mean. You just take God at face value and say, I believe. And let the bigness of God inspire you to pray bold prayers. Be audacious in your prayers. God can handle it. Be specific in your prayers. God can do it. And in the meantime, do what you can do look for God to do exceedingly more. Let's stand as our musicians come forward.